Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And um, tonight we're going to do something a little bit different in Expound. We're going to still use some of the key scriptures in the book of Exodus. However, we want to focus what I believe, especially after last night, to be a very central key element and give you an opportunity, and I an opportunity, to change the world. You know, you can't travel to certain places. You might say, I've always wanted to be a missionary in that country, but I can't afford it and I can't get the time off to do it. You can travel there tonight on your knees. You can be in that culture and pray for that government and pray for those missionaries and the world that you pray for can change. Do you believe that? Okay, so Brian Nixon is going to come out and give us a little devotional on prayer before we begin. Brian, come on out. June 2006, it was like any other Saturday morning. I was waking up, stretching, really excited for the day. The reason being is this, the World Cup had just started. And me being a huge soccer fan, I wanted to make sure that I caught the American game on that particular day. But something unusual happened. I looked over to my wife and she wasn't feeling so great. As a matter of fact, she was having some severe abdominal pains. And I said, oh, it's just, you know, lady stuff. And she said, no, no, this is a little bit more. This, this is serious pain. So the, being the good husband that I am, I ran to Walgreens before my game. And I got those, those heating pads, you know, that Shaquille O'Neal promotes. And... And I said, sweetheart, just put that on. It works for Shaq. It's going to work for you. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. And as a matter of fact, the pain got more and more severe. And it got to the point where she was wreathing in pain, turning just with agony. So I said, I'm going to take you to the hospital. So we go to the hospital and we wait in the waiting room. Of course, I'm watching the World Cup game uh, out of the corner of my eye. And we finally go in to see the doctor. And the doctor uh, looks at her uh, and says, well, we, we really should do some further tests, make sure it's not appendix or something of that nature. So for many of you, you know what it's like when you're waiting in the waiting room. It takes forever, and then it takes even more time for them to begin doing the tests. But as the day progressed, things got weirder and weirder, a little more serious at each given step. They would come back and say, you know, we need to do further tests. And uh, she's going to be staying overnight tonight. And it was probably about four o'clock of that day when the doctor came in and said, you know what? Your wife has a tumor. And I, I looked and I said, a tumor? You know, she's, at that time she was in her early 30s. And I said, a tumor? What do you mean? And he goes, we, we think it's in her ovary. And I said, really? And he said, we're going to do a few more tests. We're going to run uh, some MRI scans. And we're going to be back with you in a couple of hours. So I go in, and of course, I'm, my disposition's changed. And I'm spending more time focusing on her rather than the game. And I remember when the doctor walked down the hall. And he, he pulled me off to the side. And he said, can I speak to you first? 
And I said, sure, sure, what's, what's going on? And he said, well, I've got real, real serious news for you, and I need to tell you first, because we're going to walk in and tell your wife in a few moments. I said, well, what in the world's going on? He said, well, your wife has ovarian cancer. And he said, it's serious ovarian cancer. And he proceeded, and I just remember as this yesterday, he proceeded to pull out the MRIs and x-rays, and there I saw a tumor the size of an orange with tentacles attaching to all her major organs. And he just looked me straight in the eye. He goes, this is serious. He goes, this is very, very serious. And of course, I'm sitting there like a truck just ran over me, and I'm supposed to go in there and tell my wife, oh, you've got ovarian cancer, and it's serious, very, very serious. But we do it. Of course, after we... We tell her, I ask him to leave, and I start bawling like a baby, and she starts comforting me. <laughs> you ladies always do it, you do. But over the course of our, our time, um, she went back for more appointments. They decided not to do an operation at that moment. They wanted to, to take care of it properly. So they got her in to see a surgeon. And the operation was in two weeks, which gave us two weeks of prayer time. And at the time, I was hosting a program with Pastor Chuck Smith. It went around the country called Pastor's Perspective. And immediately when Pastor Chuck heard about Melanie's condition, he sent out prayer requests for the people across the United States. And then missionaries in foreign countries picked up on it. And before I knew it, I was getting emails from people around the world People I had never met or had never knew existed saying, we're praying for you, we're praying for you. The Lord is going to do something amazing here. And of course, I'm just, I'm hanging on to everything. I believe that, I believe that. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. So the day of the operation came, two weeks later. We go in and they cut her open and proceed with the operation. It's about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minute operation. And the doctor comes out, new doctor this time, the surgeon comes out. And she, you know, they, they're trained to have a, a straight face. She says, can we talk? And I said, yes. So she sat me down and she said, well, I've got good news and bad news. She said, the, the bad news first, that it is ovarian cancer. It was a tumor. It was the size of this. But she said, the good news is there is no sign of it attaching to any of her vital organs. She said, as a matter of fact, the tumor is in the middle of the cyst of type substance. And to her knowledge, it hasn't even hit the, the outside of the tumor. She said, I really don't have any explanation for this. And, and I said, I, I think I do. So, so I went back. And as it turned out, she did have ovarian cancer, but it was what they call pre-cancer. And for some reason, from the moment it was diagnosed, two weeks later, it was just a minuscule spot within the tumor. But what's amazing is after her surgery, after her recovery, I bumped into the first doctor who diagnosed this. He bumped into me, and he had tears in his eyes. And he said... I want you to know two things. He said, I did not misdiagnose your wife. He goes, I've been doing this for 30 years. She had ovarian cancer. Pictures 
don't lie. The tests don't lie. And then he said, secondly, I think you just experienced a miracle. And I sat there and just going, I'm just glad my wife's alive and well. And I'm just all, awesome. I had never really experienced something like that. But what it proved to me is two things. It proved to me, one, the power of prayer. And two, God honors the prayers of His people when we are praying according to His purposes. And I believe when God's people gather together, when we come together in a concert of prayer, when we come together in that community of prayer, God is honoring that and He wants to show Himself strong through those situations. So what we're going to do here over the course of the next six or seven minutes is look at how we, you and I, can pray in accordance with God's will. And fortunately for us, we're blessed to have the Lord Himself teach us the model prayer. He has paved the way for us. And I'm going to point out seven principles or seven points for you to hang your hat on when you are praying. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn it to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. A very familiar passage. One we probably memorized as children. What we know as the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 9. It says this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So these seven points, Jesus leads us in praying in accordance with God's will. Point number one, prayer is a form of worship. We read that when Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Prayer is a form of worship. Just notice the word Father, Pater. He is our heavenly parent. He is our loving parent. And He is our loving parent, Scripture says, who is in heaven. He is on the seat of authority. All power is His. And our due response to a loving, heavenly parent who is all-powerful, all-knowing, is to give Him the due response. To worship Him and adore Him. Or as our text says, to hallowed Be His name, which means to make holy, to call Him pure, to sanctify Him, to revere. So worship is a form of prayer, and prayer is a form of worship. Point number two is that prayer calls us to advance God's kingdom. And we see that in the next line, verse 10, your kingdom come. And when we understand God's kingdom, we have to understand it from three different angles. God's New Testament kingdom was established with the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, which we celebrate this week. His kingdom was initiated. But the second component of God's kingdom is you and I. God is building His kingdom one brick at a time, one stone at a time, with each life that is entering in His kingdom and is called to proclaim and live out the kingdom lifestyle as being light and salt. But then the third element of God's kingdom is His kingdom 
to come. The return of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus tells us to pray, Thy kingdom come, He's praying, He's asking us to look backward, to be thankful for God. What He did through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. To live out the kingdom ethic in the world today. To proclaim the gospel. But also to pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Thy kingdom come. Point number three is prayer is seeking God's will. And we learn that in the second part of verse 10 where it says, Your will be done. Notice that it's your will, God, not my will. When we enter into the time of prayer, we want to make sure we're aligning ourselves with God's will. Not superimposing our will upon God, but saying, God, I'm all ears. Putting our ear, if you will, up to His figurative chest and hear His heartbeat. To let the Spirit fill us. To read in Scripture to inspire us. To get with other Christians to take heed the call. We are called to be in His Will, His purposes. And ultimately that word for will means great pleasure. We're to be in God's pleasure. The fourth point is prayer calls us to be dependent on God for our daily needs. And we learn that about in verse 11 where it says, Give us this day our daily bread. We're going to our Heavenly Father, our Provider, and saying, Lord, please give us our needs, provide for us the shelter, the food, the care we need. And notice it's needs. It's not our wants. God has promised to provide for our needs and not necessarily our wants. Bring to God your needs. Point five is prayer is asking and seeking forgiveness. And there we read in verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And this is very difficult for a lot of people because an unforgiving heart, an unforgiving spirit takes root in people's lives and it could ruin their very existence. And the Lord knows that. That's why He's telling us to daily come to the Lord. Lord, forgive me of my personal sins, but help me forgive other people who have sinned against me. And that word forgive just means to remit or to omit or leave out. And debts is just to leave out the faults that I've committed against you and help me forgive the faults that people have committed against me. Point five. Point six is prayer is seeking God's strength to keep us from temptations. I don't need to tell you today that temptations are everywhere. Billboards, computers, TVs, the radio, everywhere. And I bet you all of us know where our temptations lie. We know where our weak points are. And the prayer Jesus models for us is that we're to come to the Lord each day and say, Lord, keep me from those things that will tempt me, that will cause me to go down the avenue of sin. Now let me clarify, temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted, yet sin not. But it is the avenue that can lead to sin, which leads us to our seventh and final point. Prayer is asking God to deliver us from evil. Asking God, Lord, we live in a dark-filled world. The darkness around us is deep. Keep me, Lord, from sinning to being at bay or subject to the flesh, to the ways of the world, and to Satan himself. Keep me from the evil one. And then Jesus wraps it all up. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. He takes it full circle. Your spiritual needs you should be praying for. 
your physical daily needs, and then he brings it back up and saying, Lord, it's all yours anyway. It's about you. It's about your kingdom. It's about laying ourselves at your feet and abiding by your will. So if you were to summarize the Lord's Prayer, I suggest to you three ways. First is submission. This prayer is about our submission to God, His will, His power, His rule, and to His care. But then secondly, after submission, this the Lord's Prayer is about commission, about us going out, the Lord commissioning us to live the kingdom-filled life, to live the spirit-filled life, to proclaim the good news, to look forward to His coming. And then finally, this prayer is about remission, about turning to God for forgiveness of sin, about understanding our weaknesses, understanding our frailties and our temptations, and turning them over to God and saying, God, I need you to sustain me through this. So this is a prayer of submission, commission, and remission. And it's the guide that Jesus has laid and established for each of us. These past few months, Pastor Skip has stressed heavily that we should be people of prayer. And as Skip mentioned, we have the opportunity tonight to do just that. Pastors are going to come out and lead us briefly in a word of prayer. And then we're going to get in small prayer groups and we're going to pray of certain things using the book of Exodus or verses from Exodus as a springboard to pray about those. You will notice up on the screens to the side of you when we begin to pray, it will tell us what we should be praying for. I know prayer can be a troubling thing for many of you, but we encourage you just to look someone in the eye and know that there's power in what you're doing. Know that God honors what you're doing and God wants to show Himself strong through His people to build His kingdom. So tonight we have that privilege to participate with the work of God in this world through prayer. And with that, I invite Pastor Nelson Walker to come forward with the worship band as we begin this night in prayer. Will you join me? Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for this opportunity to gather here, to be people who are serious about prayer, to be people who want to see You work mightily in this day and age. So we ask, Lord, that You would prepare our hearts to speak to You, that we would confess our shortcomings, our sins, that we would look to You, that we would submit, and understanding, Lord, that we are commissioned to proclaim Your good news. And so now, Lord, as we commit this time into Your hands, we ask that you would prepare our hearts. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Have a seat, please. God said to Moses, 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 and Moses answered, Here am I. God said, from the burning bush, do not come any closer. Remove your sandals from your feet, because where you are standing is holy ground. Prayer is not simply what we ask. Prayer is not simply how we ask. Prayer is who we ask. The foundation of prayer is that we are speaking to a holy God. Two passages of Scripture open with a vision of heaven, one in Isaiah, 
one in Revelation. In Isaiah, the angels crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Lord of hosts. The earth is filled with your glory. In Revelation 4, same thing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And as Brian mentioned, Jesus teaching his disciples to pray said, Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. We come to the creator of the heavens and the earth to acknowledge who he is, the creator, the sustainer of life. So in groups of four, maybe five at the most, you're going to pray. And this first section of prayer is not to ask God or to direct God. It's to declare his worthiness and his attributes. A prayer could go something like this. Father, you are holy. You have created the heavens and the earth. You are seated on the throne most high. You are the majestic one. You are the first and the last. You are the beginning and the end. You are the one who sees the end from the beginning and calls the things that are not as though they are. And yet, Lord, your eye is always upon us. And therefore we worship you. Join and worship God in prayer. In groups now. second part of our prayer is for personal holiness and humility. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Father, in your word, it says, by humility and fear of the Lord, come honor and riches and life. And Father, I ask for our personal holiness in this church, for our humility. We ask for your forgiveness so that these things might take place. I pray, Father, that for each of us, we would fall on our faces and ask you to consecrate us, set us apart, wash us as Moses prayed so that we'd be ready for this weekend. We'd be ready for every day. Father, we love you. We thank you that you sent your son to die for us, that he rose on the third day, and that we get to have a relationship with you. We get to meet you like these people did. Not just at the base of Mount Sinai, but in this building and every place around the world. Thank you for your love and your kindness for us. In your son's name, amen. Good evening, church. Let's take this next segment of time, and we're going to pray for the church, not just here, but the church in the whole wide world. Let's pray that God would excite and ignite the church again, that he would work mighty in the church and bring about revival. I'm going to read a scripture from Exodus 14, 30 and 31. 
We read, so the Lord saved Israel that day out of the land, out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Father, we come before you. We lift up our hands. We lift up your church, your body. Father, you are mighty to save. Father, we lift up the church to you tonight in the world. We ask, Father, that uh, you would fill us, use us, Lord, that we would be the extension of your hands, your heart, your love, your life, your hope to the world. Help us represent you well, Father, that you would be honored, exalted, magnified. Father, again, just on behalf of your people, may the world see your great work, fear the Lord, and commit themselves to you. Church, let's break up in groups again and continue praying for the body of Christ. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and on the other on the other. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Just join me as we pray for leaders, as we pray for our shepherds, and that God would raise, out, raise up more, that he would send laborers into the harvest. Well, Father, we thank you for the leaders that we do have. We thank you for the true shepherds, for those who are servants, who don't lord it over us or anything like that, but invest in us by your spirit and through your word. And we pray that you would just be their strength and what they face, that you'd be their helper, that you would be their source, you'd be their delight. And I just pray that you would minister Christ to us as he was the ultimate servant leader, as he came and gave his life as a ransom for many as you sent your son, and he did that. I just pray that we would be like that, that we would be the servant of all, and that you would raise up more who could just bring a vision to the people, who could lead us just on in evangelism, lead us on in, in uh, just all aspects of holiness, Father. And I just pray that you would send laborers into the harvest field, and we just present ourselves available that we're willing, we're willing to rise up and, and to be those servants, to be the slave of all. And uh, we thank you for that and we pray for them right now. In your son's name. 20, in Exodus 20, the Lord says, And God spoke all these words saying, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet. The next section will pray for the United States of America would reestablish the historical foundation of law 
as the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, and the truth of God's Word. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you for the privilege of being able to just come before your throne, Lord. We pray as this nation was founded on you, Lord, I pray that you would take it back to its roots, Lord, that we would truly honor your your law, Lord, that we'd honor your word, Lord, that this uh, nation would be truly a nation that would be under God, Lord. We pray that you would continue to just uh, resonate your word throughout this country, Lord. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' most precious name. God's people say, Amen. On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So our time of small group prayer has concluded for the evening. So you can take your seats as I lead us in prayer for this upcoming weekend when we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And as a church, we're going to do that by our service on Good Friday in the afternoon, which we hope to celebrate outside. And then also our sunrise service at Lobo Stadium, accompanied by the two services here in the sanctuary at 9.30 and 11.15. So let me please lead us in prayer for God's blessing upon those services. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the enormity of opportunity that we have to gather collectively in praise of your great salvation. Thank you, Lord, that for us this is the highlight of the entire year. Lord, for your life, death, and resurrection culminate all it is that encompasses our hope, our strong, confident expectation that we've been granted salvation by you, Father. And so, Lord, during this season, we ask that you would be merciful and gracious to us, your people, and allow us to serve you in a way that capitalizes upon the sensitivity of those who do not know you or those who are currently not walking close with you. As, Lord, many will come to church and to services that don't darken the door of a church the rest of the year. Lord, for those people, we pray that you would clear the path to salvation and recommitment, that nothing would hinder the plan, the invitation they've been given to join us on Friday and on Sunday. So, Lord, please be merciful and gracious to them and whatever it takes to get them here to be our guests and to the service at Lobo Stadium, that, God, you would do just that, whatever it takes to clear their path, to join us, that they too might become your children or make a recommitment to you. Father, we also pray that in the services this weekend that your body would be greatly edified, built up, that collectively as we celebrate and worship and grow, we would be better men and women for your purposes, for having gathered in honor and celebration of your resurrection. We also pray, God, that through all of it, you would be intensely glorified 
well pleased that our gatherings would be a sweet smelling aroma unto you, Father. And Lord, as we hope to gather on Friday outside and Sunday morning, we plan to be there for the sun rising. We humbly ask your great provision of fantastic, beautiful weather. So, Lord, uh, whether you keep the winds at bay and the skies closed, and, Lord, even the temperature warmer, anything to eliminate an excuse for those who need to be there or anything that would hinder the proclamation and the hearing of your truth weather-wise, may you just speak a word and have it all be still. And lastly, Lord, we want to pray your blessing upon the health of all serving for all these services, Lord, especially Pastor Skip, as he declares your word to multitudes. May you give his body power and strength, his mind clarity, and may he perhaps preach better than he's ever preached before so that your truth and your great salvation can be loudly proclaimed and your resurrection celebrated this weekend. We also pray for all of the musicians, the arrival of Jars of Clay, that we would all treat them very well and make them uh, feel very at home as they serve with us and every other attending ministry, Lord, and servant that's giving of their life, their time, their talents, their energies. May their bodies be blessed, strengthened, vibrant, so that you might be served to the best and the most glory that we can offer back to you, Lord. And so, God, we depend upon you for all things this weekend. And we ask that in the end, your will be done, your body edified, and your kingdom expanded. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. If you would like more information about what you've heard in this message or about Calvary of Albuquerque, please visit our website at www.calvaryabq.org. If you have made a decision to follow Christ or would like someone to pray for you, please leave a message with our prayer watch line at 505-344-3658. Thank you and God bless.